my name is Tony Lepore. Um, I struggle with this a little bit because I there's a there's a certain part of me, and I don't sound say this to sound spiritual, but that it, it's a very humbling experience to be kind of standing up in front of people who want to engage with people who have deep and desperate need. Um, this this is something that I'm still in kindergarten with, really. Um, I am able to, you know, exegete the scriptures a little bit. I'm able to help us formulate kind of a concept, um, but actually the doing it and the relating and the the being Christ with skin on is something I'm still in a process of, right? Um, I graduated from Moody Theological Seminary a couple of years ago, uh, last year, last year, two years ago, two years ago. Um, it's, it's all, I mean, it exacted its pound of flesh, for sure. Um, I have a Master of Divinity degree with a pastoral emphasis, but while I was going through Moody, I was really touched by the professor who is actually leading our um, bus tour that we're going to be participating in on the first day, John Feuder. And his ministry, I mean, he cut his teeth doing his dissertation on Skid Row in Los Angeles, literally, on Skid Row. Um, and what Dr. Feuder's, I mean, his heart just bleeds through, and you'll, you'll see that when you encounter him. Um, and the importance of the city um, in, in, in God's overall plan. Um, what we're going to do is, is break up the Bible studies. I'm going to teach kind of to give us a bit of a framework for what we're going to be doing and accomplishing. So we're all on the same page. And then Felicia is going to talk next week, if depending on how far we get through the, the session today. But I believe next week on the city itself. Then I'll take poverty. I'll be speaking on the issue of poverty. And then Felicia's going to be talking about justice. And all of this from a biblical framework, right? As I said in our introductory meetings, not so interested in, you know, cultural and social constructs of Republican, Democrat, this type of thing. We're looking to get into the scriptures and what does, what does the Lord say about all of these topics and issues that we're going to be interfacing with. So we're going to let the text speak to us, and we're going to put ourselves under um, the scripture. I have had an opportunity to do missions on a variety of different fronts. Um, I've been to, I've been, I've led a group of teenagers to the inner city of Cairo um, with Mama Maggie. So that was an incredible experience. Um, I've been to um, Belarus and actually in the Chernobyl hot zone where all of the fallout went um, in the southern part of Belarus and um, encountered pastors who had gone uh, to Minsk where it was reasonably safer, 300 miles or so to the north. And when they evacuated everybody out of that region, it's primarily poor subsistence farmers, everything that they have or had was down in that hot zone, so they went back. And pastors following them into the hot zone, some of whom died reasonably quickly, one who was only 30 years old, 
but was committed to going where it was hard, where the need was. He paid a high price for that. Um, but kind of, I mean, that type of thing, and having an opportunity to meet this person and learning about what happened to him later on, that, that is transformative. Um, that is something that impacts you on a very deep level. That was part of what drove me to seminary. Um, there are a variety of issues that, that, that I won't get into. But, but the overseas ministry and then leading here um, domestically into the inner city and the way that ministry looked slightly different in, in different areas, different cultures, how are needs addressed? What's the best way to meet needs? How do we help without hurting, right? You've read the, the book, Helping Without Hurting. Um, all of that is exceedingly complex. We tend to have um, a, a mindset that, that boils it down to simple explanations as to why poverty, Right, and we and we 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 put things into boxes so that we can compartmentalize, right? But you know, and we tend to do that with people as well a little bit. Um, but things spill out; things just don't stay contained that easily. And so, um, to to that end, doing this type of ministry downtown is going to bring us face to face with some assumptions that we have. Um, maybe even certain biases um, that we're going to need to wrestle with a little bit. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to lead. I'm so excited about the different skill sets and talents and abilities and the ministry that you guys have been doing and are doing and will do um, and how the Lord has has brought us together like this. There are a range, right? My, My personal spiritual gift is mercy i'm for the little guy you know i can't help it i'm like the you know i even root for the underdogs in basketball football whatever i just want the little guy I, right. I want the lit. Yeah, right. I never went. Uh, I want the. I want. I want to be part of that. I want, and I see reconciliation as being somewhat of that. Right. I mean, Christ reached down to the little guy. Right. Um, so, um, what I'd like to do is get into our Bible study. But I'd like to pray first. I'd like to pray over you for us. Um, as I had mentioned before, we have been praying a long time for this group to be knit together, and I believe that the Lord has brought all the right pieces together. And I'm excited about what he's going to do, because we know he's already gone before us in this, right? Um, so let's, let's pray for a few moments, and then we'll get into our first Bible study. Lord, we give you praise Father, for um, the heart that you've had for um, people who have been lost, people who have been um, bound up by sin issues, Lord, um, we, we, we just as a, as a, just as a race, Lord, have been um, lost, and, and you are a God who pursues that which is 
which is lost. And, and we give you thanks for that, Father. We give you the thanks for the grace that you've shown to each of us to have um, an opportunity to reach out and to show the love of Christ to others, that you would engage us in that, that you would desire us to be part of that. Um, Lord, we hear the comments this morning that, that, that giving out and getting back, it, we always just seem so much, Lord, to, to receive more than we're able to give, and that's by your grace. But we want others to see the face of, um, the, see the face of Jesus and, and to have true um, healing, um, true peace, true restoration. Father, we just... Um, ask you, um, I think of, of Paul's prayer to the Colossians, we, we pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding in order that we may live lives worthy of you and may please you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing by the knowledge of God, being strengthened, being strengthened, Lord, with all power according to your glorious might that we might have great strength and endurance and joyfully giving thanks to you, Father, for qualifying us to share in the inheritance of the kingdom, uh, the inheritance of the saints in the, in the kingdom of light. Lord, for you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and have brought us into the kingdom of the Son you love in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Lord God, we thank you for this. We thank you for what you will teach us over the upcoming weeks. We thank you that you're already preparing our hearts to be broken, Lord, for the things that break yours. And we pray this, giving you thanks, Lord, for all that you have done, are doing, and will continue to do. In the name of the one who came and who died and who rose again in glory. Amen. So we have about 40 minutes. We're going to start here. Some of this, I'm just going to kind of make a, a statement up front here, is that some of what we're going to be studying <coughs> is going to be kind of kindergarten stuff for us, right? You're going to be familiar with some of this stuff. So I'm going to ask those of us who are, are know about this and, yeah, I've been there, done that, to just kind of re-engage with it again, um, to let it kind of sink in, to, to move with us a little, um, so that we work in cooperation with the Lord's Word. Um, but I think that there will probably be some things that will be new as well, and I hope that we can um, kind of flush that out a little bit in our time together. So let's just start a kind of a running dialogue here. When you think of the brokenness in our world, and I think that we would all agree that the world is broken, what what social issues come to mind? Just throw some out. Poverty. Poverty. Discrimination. Discrimination. Good. Abuse. Prejudice. Prejudice. Good. Human trafficking. Human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Unequal opportunities. Unequal opportunities. Good. Good. Can you see okay? I'm sorry. Okay. suburbs, we have so much money that we, you know, put into our educational system. It comes from local taxes, but, you know, then you go to areas of poverty, and, you know, it's 
the education there certainly isn't equal because you know the same amount isn't spent. Right. Exactly. Good. Thanks so, for that. Yeah. Know, sometimes inequalities and that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And access, right? Violence. Violence. Health care. Yeah. Yep. Hopelessness. The breakdown of families. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What do you what do you notice about everything that we have kicked out here? What do you notice? It's all of, uh, someone's more powerful than the other, and it's the other guy that's okay. Yeah, the short end of the stick. Okay. Okay. Good. That's helpful. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yeah. You speak true. You speak true. We're gonna we're gonna look at this in a in a because we we have scriptural teaching on this, right? Um, what now? Let's 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 take it in the next step. So we've got all of these issues, right? What explanations are typically given for their existence? Lack of education. Lack of education. Okay. Poor motivation, right? Laziness, okay. Sin in the garden, okay. (laughs) Mental illness, good, helpful, thank you. Yeah, issues with uh, substance abuse, right? Just, just lack an overall understanding, right? Lack of leadership. Good. Excellent. What are their proposed fixes? Give them money. <laughs> yes, that's a good one, right? Right? Throw enough money at the problem, things will get, will get rectified, right? Education. Education is considered to be a big one. Yeah. 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 Right. We lose the family values, right? Yeah. Good. Excellent. You guys are thinking well this morning. I like that. Appreciate that. Are these fixes sufficient? Well, it has to be a long-term fix. You can't just, you know, do a, a short-term. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. Good. That's right. Right. There are exceedingly complex problems, right, that our government tries to wrestle with, right? I mean, what what do you do with people who are who are you know economically challenged? Do you just you know let them suffer, or do you come alongside? And whose responsibility is that, and so forth, right? If these if these solutions, if these problems had easy solutions, they've probably already been rectified, right? It's some of these difficult ones, right, where, where we have struggles. So when I say this, is there an identifiable center to the explanations and the proposed fixes? What is, what is, when we think in terms of, we've kicked out a lot of issues, is there something that unifies 
all of the, the way that people typically think about these issues as far as how do we get from problem to solution? Is there something that unifies all of that? Yeah, good, Chuck. Appreciate that. So, what's the cause of our social issues fundamentally? Sin. Yeah. Sin. Sin is the center. Yes. Sin is the center. And what's the effect? come back to the question a little bit earlier of what do you notice about the social issues that we're talking about? Hardship. Hardship, pain, yeah. Suffering. But... Relational brokenness. Sin breaks relationships. Sin breaks relationships. And through the broken relationships, we struggle. Let's go to Genesis 3 for a moment. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's start at verse 6. Would somebody begin with verse 6 for us? And we're going to read through verse 13. So 6 through 13. Somebody start off with verse 6, please. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her. And he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they saw fig, fig leaves together, or they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves loincloths. Mm-hmm. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in, in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And then the the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Okay, great. Thanks, Charity. And then somebody pick up from 17 through 21, please. Joanna, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and and to dust you will return. 
Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and, and clothed them. Right. Perfect. Thank you. We, we notice brokenness here, right? Broken relationship. Can we point to verses and give kind of categories for the different types of brokenness we see here in Genesis 3? Where is the brokenness? Right. That's right. A broken relationship between man and his environment, right? That would be what? Verses, the verses you read, right? Yeah, right. 17. Yeah, it sounds like a farming verse, exactly. <laughs> 17 through 19. So at the fall, there's a break between man and his environment. Where else? Man and God. What verse would we point to for that? Yeah, they hid themselves from the presence of God, right? And what does man do, by the way? What does Adam do in verse... 12. He blames who? Are you sure? He blames God. It was this woman that you put with me. Right? <laughs> right? So, broken relationship between man and God. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. That's one I didn't even... Yeah, that's perfect. Excellent. How about there are two others? So we have man versus his environment. We have man versus God. We have what? Each other, right? What does Adam do? What does Eve then do? Adam says, it's the woman, right? Right? It's her responsibility. Then Eve goes, whoa, that's kind of, <laughs> that's not a bad, an ideal place to be. So it was a serpent, right? So it gets, it's that trickle-down thing going on, right? So man versus one another, right? Interpersonal. There's one more. It's a little subtler. Man versus Satan. Well, man versus, yeah, man versus Satan. This one occurs in verse... Yeah, verse 7. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They realized they were naked. Right? So what we see here is, is that the brokenness of sin impacts absolutely every kind of relationship that we could possibly have with ourselves internally, with one another, with God, and with our entire environment. Right? Animals. It costs the life of the animal as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, God, each other, environment, and himself. Where do we get the animals from? Yeah, right. Right. The, uh, the idea being that prior to the fall, we were, everything was what, herbivores? Is, is that the right? Brokenness of everything animate and inanimate. Yeah. Everything God has made 
that's right. That's right. So when we see these social issues that we're encountering, we it's important to go to to the foundation, right? The biblical foundation as to what is fundamentally going on here. What is wrong? What is broken? Right? And we know that restoration only comes through Christ, right? He is the restorer of everything that is broken. Okay? So fundamentally, when we talk about what's the fix, the gospel message has to be at the very top of that, right? So here we see between man and himself, between God and man. I love the idea of the truth. That, that also is there for sure. So sin, right? If the fundamental issue with our world is broken relationships in its various forms, right, leading to social issues of every shape and size, and what's called for at the most basic level is reconciliation. Reconciliation, okay? This is going to shape our outreach. We're going to talk about the ministry of reconciliation. So let's go to Second Second Corinthians. And we'll start with verse 11, but we're really going to land hard on verses 16 through 6-2. Could somebody start reading for us at verse 11, please? 2 Corinthians 5. Let's start with verse 11. I think we're, is that 2 Corinthians? Or are you in 1st? I'm in 2 Corinthians 16. 5? 5. 5. Oh, verse 5. Chapter, chapter 5, oh, verse 11. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was a lot. Of, that's a, quite a different translation. Yeah, oh, verse 11. Yes. So it's Ministry of Reconciliation, right? Just, you can you can keep going, sure. Oh, okay. We are not trying to condemn ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Okay, great. Thank you. So just a quick background on the book of Second Corinthians. There were actually three letters that Paul wrote. First Corinthians. And then he wrote something called a painful letter to the Corinthian church that we no longer have. And then he followed up with the book of 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is making the case that the Corinthian church needs to affirm his apostolic authority because it's been called into question, right? 
And the people who are calling into question Paul's authority are people who are saying, look, he comes and he, he, he's not impressive. He doesn't have any of the credentials. He doesn't um, speak with eloquence. He doesn't have any letters of commendation. He has none of this stuff, and we've got all of it. And what Paul is coming back to say is, look, we don't need any kind of letters. We're not basing things on external appearances. We're basing things on what's in the heart, those things which are unseen, right? And so he makes this case that God understands where my heart is. God knows my motivations, okay? And so this is a little bit of the context here. And he's saying, take pride in us, not because of what it looks like on the outside, but based off of the truth of the message that we're conveying to you, you should be standing up for those who are honest, true, genuine apostles. Okay? So now we come to this. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Okay, the from now on is for those who now have life in Christ. Okay, by the way, it says here that when Christ died for all, right, therefore all died. That's a little bit tricky, but I think that what Paul is getting at there is that if the representative dies, then all die. Okay. The difference is, is that what Paul is, is saying is, is that but, but those who have accepted what Christ has done on their behalf will rise again, will live again, okay? Therefore, and so what he says there is that those who live, those who have accepted Christ's sacrifice on their behalf, okay, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Okay? So there is an outgrowth of the understanding that if you are in Christ, you are no longer your own. Okay? And that you're living for other people. All right? So then he says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Right? Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Externals, again, right? We're not looking at the externals, okay? And Paul acknowledges this. From now on is based on the fact that he understands now that he has been, he has had a Savior die on his behalf. He has accepted that salvation, right? And from now on, that changes the entire mindset, of how he deals with people. He's no longer seeing slave or free, Jew or Gentile, male or female. He's seeing saved, unsaved. In Christ or not in Christ. Okay? So from now on, we... We regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The old ways of thinking, the old ways of acting, the old ways of behaving, that is gone, and Christ has completely recreated that individual. Right? Okay? All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ 
and gave us gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you now, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. What do we see in these verses as it relates to our standing? That's right. That's right. Exactly. Good. How about to our calling? That's it. Yeah. Good. And our responsibilities as Christ followers. Yeah, that's right. No longer live for themselves. Right? No longer live for themselves. Verse 19, it's almost like saying, pick up the work God has committed to you. Yeah, that's right. If you don't pick it up, it's not going to be done. That's right. Yeah, that's what's so amazing about this whole ministry that we've been given in Christ is that God is making his appeal through broken vessels, right? Just in chapter 4, treasures and jars of clay, right? Paul's already talked about that. Who is worthy, right? I mean, honestly, who is worthy? Christ makes us worthy. So what? there are three key assertions in verses 18 through 21. This is, this is probably the most important one. That reconciliation comes through God's initiative. Okay? It's from God manward. Okay? All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself. Through Christ. Christ is the only means of reconciliation. Right? And that God continues to act through those who've been reconciled. He continues to act through those who've been reconciled. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them, and he is committed to us the message of reconciliation. So what is the ministry of reconciliation? That's weird, right? What does that even mean? <laughs> In Greek, the, this is, I mean, this is, the reason this comes up is it's a 
kind of a confusing construction in Greek. It's, a, it's, it's in the genitive case, and there are a variety of different ways that you can interpret the genitive case. It typically means possession, right? The genitive case is for possession. But what does, what does this construction actually mean? Does it mean the ministry made possible by the grace of reconciliation? Is it, is it just because we've been reconciled that we can do ministry? Or is it ministry that's characterized by reconciliation? Is reconciliation the core of the ministry? Or is it ministry that brings about reconciliation? Or is reconciliation the content of the ministry? You look at, you look at that and you say, that, that's, yeah. Yes. No longer hold. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, exactly. While all of them are yes, it's the last one that probably hits with the most clarity on what Paul is getting at. It and this is key here that reconciliation involves more than simply explaining what, to others what God has done in Christ. Okay? It's more than just, here's the five steps of salvation, right? You know, you say the right words and so forth and so on. That, that's, that's different than what we're talking about in true reconciliation. It means it requires that one become an active reconciler. Okay? So if we are, if we have been entrusted with this ministry of reconciliation, that we're not, it's not just language, that it's movement, right? I see that in the mission trips, is that we're not there to preach to them, we're there to work with them side by side. Yeah. There's communication, no question, about the gospel message. No question about that. But, but there is a call to be somebody who creates unity out of broken relationships, to be the person of peace, right? This is kind of an important concept, that, it, that you, we are this, Right? When we think of the scriptures and we think of the concept of love and what does love look like in the scriptures, so often in the scriptures, love is not necessarily equated with an emotion as much as it is an action. Love works. Love moves in, right? For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave, right? He gave. And we go to 1 John. Now this is love for God, that you do what? That you obey his commands. Love moves out, okay? So it's not kind of this warm, fuzzy thing as much as it is move into the areas of brokenness and the areas of pain, right? That is an expression of true love. Okay, this is how we kind of are able to love our enemies, right? Is Jesus commanding us to have an emotion we don't have? I mean, how do you work up an emotion? 
it's pretty difficult to work up in your own strength and emotion, right? But you can do good. You can do good to those who persecute you. You can pray for those who condemn you, right? Right? So love looks like movement. Love looks like movement. And this is an inherent part of the reconciliation process. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. What does it mean to be an ambassador? What is an ambassador? A representative, okay, good, yes, of what? Okay, okay, so what does that mean? Okay. Okay, yeah, exactly. What is it, I mean, when we think of ambassadors, right, what does an ambassador do? Yeah, it, where? That's right, yeah. They represent the ruling authority of one nation and is doing that person's bidding in another nation, right? What does that sound like? What does that sound like? There you have it. Let's go to, I I prayed this this morning, Colossians, right? Let's go to Colossians 1 for a moment. Colossians 1, uh, Colossians 1, 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What is super important to note about that? Look at the verbs. What about the verbs? Yeah. What tense? Done. Done. Past tense. Delivered us, right? He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We go back over to Ephesians 2. I'll just read it here quickly. And it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Done. Completed. Past tense. Part of this stuff is understanding our identity understanding our identity and our position in Christ. We are, according to Paul, right now seated with Christ in heavenly places. Okay, That means our citizenship has changed. We are no longer citizens of the world. We are citizens of the kingdom. And as ambassadors... We do the bidding of our king in another world. This is an interesting idea. 
that's carried in the concept of an, being an ambassador, especially in the time frame. Okay? What's, what I'm trying to get at here and what's important here is that ambassadors were people of peace. They were people of peace. Okay, it wasn't to d- to deliver news of upcoming war or so forth. Their role was to establish friendly relations, friendly relations, so that when we see it in the context, right, of of the time in which Paul is writing, we're understanding that this is kind of what it looked like, and probably is what it should look like today. Right, to renew friendly relations and to make alliance. That is the ministry of reconciliation. We are making peace between man and God right? through our testimony. And it says here in verse 20, be reconciled to God. The requirements for reconciliation are these. We have to first acknowledge that there's a problem. That we are estranged. That there is sin that we have to deal with. Right? And the key here is to God. Be reconciled to God. What this author goes on to say is is that we can try to have reconciliation between people, but without reconciliation with God first, you're not going to have genuine reconciliation between individuals. It's be reconciled to God first, and then to one another, right? Right? And reconciliation requires that we don't view people with the criteria that the world views people, right? Based on economic status, based on skin color, based on geography, based on whatever. We are to be like Paul, seeing those who need Christ and those who are already in Christ. 